first retreat, I thought I was going to a resort. And, but nevertheless, something important happened. And uh, as soon as they bought this uh, meditation center and sent out the notice that they needed some help, uh, I came to the work retreat. And by the end of the work retreat, I had decided that I would come on staff. And so I made arrangements with my household and my, my workmates and uh, made a commitment to come on staff for a year. In one of the first days that uh, I was here, I was up in the attic of the uh, Catskills over there, um, insulating the ceiling so that it would be cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter. And I was up there with uh, Rodney Smith, another fellow who was on staff, who's now a teacher in Seattle. And now remember, I had done a whole two-week retreat and had been a couple years later came on staff. So we were having a discussion on Nibbana, <laughs> as if we knew anything about it. But Rodney reminded me uh, a couple years ago that I said at that time, I have absolutely no doubt that in this lifetime I will realize the Dhamma. I had no idea what I was saying. <laughs> and I had no idea what would be involved. But to have that kind of resolve doesn't require knowledge, book knowledge. It requires self-knowledge. Knowing what the course of your life is to be. And really knowing what your inner uh, direction is. And so I could, I could practice for 10 years without ever having a flicker of doubt in my mind. Even though I wasn't very successful at practice. It was a real struggle, really, really, really difficult. And not, not very successful at all. And at one time I was practicing in Burma. And I was doing some walking on the backside of the dormitory where I lived. And I saw a habit of mind I had never seen before. I was already 35 or 36 years old. Never had seen this habit of mind that would say, oh, poor me. I can't do this because it's too hot. Oh, poor me. I can't do this. I'm too old. Oh, poor me. I can't do this. I'm too stupid. Oh, poor me. I can't do this. I'm a male. Oh, poor me, I can't do this because I did too many drugs. Oh, poor me, I can't do this because I didn't do enough drugs. <laughs> oh, poor me. You get the picture, you know. What, whenever it got a little bit tough, a little bit, you know, this, this, this collapse of energy, we just go, oh, and give up. And when I saw that, I was like, I was amazed. I had never seen this habit of mind in 35 years. And yet, somehow, came into view. But after I saw it that one time, I never missed it. Any time it would try to sneak in, you know, sneak into mind, I would see it. Just like uh, being alone in a room and a snake comes under the door. You see it. And after catching it a few dozen more times, never arrive again. Never come. 
That's what this practice can do for you. It can reveal habits of mind you don't even know you have that cause you suffering. My teacher Ubandita, as we've mentioned, he's very demanding, very stern, very uh, really calls forth more than you think you can do. But I now understand that his sternness and his demandingness is not uncompassionate because he knows the mind. He's guided tens of thousands or more of minds just like ours to liberation. So he knows the mind. And he knows there's suffering in that mind that you don't know about yet. But if you practice according to the teachings, you will find that suffering. I know you don't want to. (laughs) None of us want to. But if we want to be free of suffering, but until you recognize suffering, you can't be free of it. So all of the suffering that you experience today, the frustration, the disappointment, the self-judgment, the you know, sloth and torpor, and all, all of that is good work. Really. Because if you don't see it, that that's suffering, you won't do anything about it. But when you see it, and you recognize, oh, this is really suffering, then you can do something about it. So don't, 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 don't be concerned if you've suffered today. You know, there are two kinds of suffering. There's a suffering that leads to more suffering and the suffering that leads to the end of suffering. Imagine if I asked you, hold your fist, squeeze your hand into a fist as tight as you can, hold on to pencil, hold on to your other finger, hold on to anything, squeeze your hand as tight as you can. After, you know, 30 seconds, it starts to get kind of hot. After a minute, it starts shaking. After five minutes, it goes numb. After 10 minutes, you don't know that you're holding on to anything. And if you live like that for, well, 15, 20, 35 years, you don't know. You don't know that there's any holding going on here. Completely numb. But then, if I say, oh, now open your hand, and you try to open your hand, Oh, it hurts, really hurts. So stiff. Oh, it, it's like it's painful. You don't even want to open your hand because it's so painful to, right? But once you go through that pain of opening the hand, da, 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 ah, then we could say, oh, the hand, free. No more pain. Huh? It's not hidden in the holding. The grasping and holding on to ideas about ourselves is the suffering that leads to more suffering. The pain that you experience today is the pain that happens when we see that holding and we learn to let go, and it's painful. But this is the pain that leads to the end of suffering. Don't be confused about the two. The pain that you experience today, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, is the pain that leads to the end of suffering because there's awareness. Enjoy your rest this evening.